the, the one that had me just all knotted up is, I don't want to disappoint Jesus. Uh, I, want this, I want this to be for Jesus. So as I stumble and bumble and stumble through this thing with you guys together, just know that um, we're on this together, okay? And, and we're, we're sharing the word with you here. So even to add to my stress, I added a clicker to it. So why don't you turn your Bibles to Mark 8, 22 through 26. That's page 844 for those of you who have the correct Bible. <laughs> and we're going to look at those passages here. And I'm just going to start out by reading those to you. And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked, Do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his hands. I'm sorry. I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Anything jump out at you here? First time I read this, I just ding, 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 bells, sirens went off. Anything strange here? Have, have we seen in any other scripture where it takes Jesus two times to heal a person? It took him two times here. It didn't take the first time. Now, how many in this room believe that Jesus has a healing issue? Raise your hand. Good. Good. <laughs> I was hoping that was the answer I was going to get. So we can pretty, I mean, you can't picture this. This isn't a, this isn't a Jesus problem. This isn't Jesus going, oh, sorry, blind man. Didn't use enough spit the first time. We'll get it right the second time. No. This isn't Jesus that says, having a bad healing day. No. This isn't the Jesus that says, remember a few verses back when the lady, the lady who was bleeding touched the hem of his garment? And what did he say? I feel power going out of me. Is Jesus having, is, he, is his batteries low? No. No, no, a thousand times no, a million times no. We are talking about Jesus here. We are talking about God in the form of man. We are talking about perfection. We are talking about a Jesus who does not need second chances. We're talking about a Jesus that does not, that does not need do-overs. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I get caught up in that sometimes. Sometimes I think Jesus needs a doer because I pray about something and he answers it, but he answers it the wrong way. Okay? That's the same thing as here. Jesus doesn't mess up. When I get my answer from, from God, when I get my answer from Jesus, he doesn't need a do-over. I'm the one that needs the do-over. I'm the one that needs to get that right. So what's Jesus trying to tell us here? What's he trying to show us? What's he trying to prove? What's, what's he trying to demonstrate? If we take a look at some of the things from the passages last week, and I apologize ahead of time to you, Derek. And we're going to spend some time in a whole bunch of passages from next week. <laughs> okay? And we're going to put those together, and I think maybe we might see what Jesus is up to here. Because I think, I think what we're going to see here is Jesus doesn't have a problem, but his uh, 12 little friends, the disciples, might be having an issue. Now, let's examine that a little bit. Let's take a look at that thought. So last week... Derek shared with you the fact that they, they'd fed the 4,000, if you remember that. Okay? And, and one of the things that happened after that is they hop into the boat, 
and they're going across the sea in the boat, and, and what are the disciples discussing amongst themselves? And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. They had no bread. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't Jesus just fed about 9,000 people in front of them with just a few things, a few loaves? Isn't this the same Jesus that's performed countless healings, that's performed spiritual and physical healings? Isn't this the same Jesus that has walked on water and demonstrated all these things for them? Yet these guys are concerned and they're worried about the fact that they only have one loaf of bread between the 12 of them. And here's the, here's the scary part. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them. How do you think Jesus said that, has said this to them? Is he mad? Is he happy? Is he sad? What's his attitude here? I'm not sure, but I think, I think Jesus isn't real happy with, them, with these people. There we go. Jesus confronts his disciples. This is a, verses like 17 through the end, of 8, 17 through the end. Look what Jesus says to them. And he doesn't say things. He asks questions, and this is the worst part of all. He says, do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see? That's my problem right now. I know it's up there, but I can't see it, so I've got to look at the close one. Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? Jesus is confronting these people. He's doing it with questions. Don't you hate that when people fire off questions at you that ask you to examine yourself? Okay, I think these disciples would rather have had a good old scolding from Jesus, a good old-fashioned chewing out, than they would asking them questions that cause them to examine their hearts. And that's what he's doing to them right here. So could it be this boat's about to land, and after it lands, the first thing Jesus does is deal with this blind man. Could it be that Jesus is about to share a message with his disciples? Could it be that he's trying to show them the status of their vision of him, that they don't see very clearly, that they may need, they may need a second touch? Let's look at some other passages here. Mark 8, 29. Now we're jumping ahead into territory for next week, Sorry. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? And Peter answers them, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. Just like we who sit in this audience and claim and, and call and are Christians can identify Jesus as the Christ, the disciples didn't have an issue with that. The disciples knew that he was the Christ. The disciples knew that he was the Messiah. They got that part. They understood that part. But where the clarity of vision comes into is they didn't understand. They didn't have his vision. They didn't understand why he was here. What is he doing? What is his purpose? They didn't see the world as Jesus sees it. They didn't view the loss the same way. They didn't view his mission the same way as he did. And, and why I can say this and why I believe this to be true is because of this. Mark 8, 31 and 32. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. Okay? Wasn't in a language they didn't understand. And here's, here, here it comes. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. 
Jesus just tells him, I'm about to be killed. Does Peter run and throw his arms around him compassionately and say, oh, dear Jesus, we don't want you to be killed. Please, we love you. Don't. No. He rebukes him. Do you or Peter know what the definition of rebuke is? It's not good. I got it right here somewhere. Oh, there it is. It's an expression of sharp disapproval or criticism. Peter, 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 what are you thinking here? You're, he just said, I'm going to die in three days, and I'm going to rise again, and you rebuke him for that. For the first time in my life, I pretty much understand why they called Peter the rock. <laughs> He's not getting it. He's, this, is not, this is not coming across very clear to him. Okay? Why, why does he think that's so? I think Peter has his own agenda. Peter says, Jesus, we got some things for you to do here. Okay? You can't die right away. I, I got some stuff planned. Okay? We got some things here that we want you to accomplish. Much like we do, isn't it? Isn't that true? Go back and think about your last 10 or 15 prayers. How, how, how do we pray sometimes? A lot of times our prayers are giving God directions rather than seeking God's direction. So Peter says, he rebukes him. I like Jesus' response here. Again, sorry, Derek, we're going deeper into your, your stuff here. Look at Jesus' response. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter, right back at you, and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your minds on the things of God, but on the things of man. There it is. There's your problem, Peter. You can't see clearly. The disciples can't see clearly because what do they have their minds set on? The things of man and not the things of God. They don't have the same vision, vision as Jesus. They need a second touch. They need him to touch their eyes again so that they can see clearly. Well, we know, uh, we certainly don't have time to go into that, but, but we know that, that eventually through hanging out with Jesus, through Pentecost, through a variety of things, the disciples certainly do get clear vision. In fact, their, their vision becomes so clear that they're willing to die for it. And so, we got that. Now, if you've ever been in church before, you all know what's coming next. How does this apply to us? How, do, how does this... We don't have the same challenges. We don't have the same issues as the disciples. The dis we, we, have the, we have the advantage of learning from the disciples. We have the advantage of knowing the whole story here. We, we know Jesus pretty well because it explains everything, why he came here, what he is, what is, why he was put on this planet. So we don't have the same possible issues that the, that the uh, disciples did because we have certain advantages. Perhaps we have reduced vision from another thing. Perhaps we have blurred vision from, from other causes. We live in a society, folks, you know this, we live in a society that continuously bombards us, encourages us to set our minds on the things of man. We are constantly being told to take care of yourselves. Me first. Okay? Focus on taking care of your issues. Don't worry about anybody else. And we are bombarded by this, bombarded by this, bombarded by this. Could this possibly be blurring our vision as a church, as a society, as Christians? I'm just asking the questions here. Do we clearly see the needs of others around us 
through the eyes of Jesus? Do we see the lost, do we see our lost neighbor, our lost coworker, our lost friends and relatives, do we see them the same way that Jesus sees them? Or do we see little blurry stumps of trees walking around? How is our vision of the lost? Pastor Derek was just up here praying about and, and talking about that it's our goal to, to make disciples of others. And I, I know from being a part of the leadership team that he stresses this and talks about this all the time. He, I, we believe this church, this body of believers is about to do some great things for our community. I believe that. I believe that about you guys. We are about to do some great things for Jesus. We've seen changes in people in this church like you can't believe. We've seen people step up to volunteer to do things. There's a great spirit here, and it's getting greater and greater and greater. But we can't and we won't do that until we get a clear vision. Because unless we see people clearly as Jesus sees them, we can, we can continue to use that, simply have that excuse, oh, I didn't see that need. I didn't see that lost person. We need Jesus. We need a second. I need it. I can't, I can't include you in this. I need a second touch. I'm telling you that right now. I need a second touch. My, my vision is blurry. And if, if you're in the same boat, feel free to join me. Okay? As, as a church, as a church family, we need a second touch. If we go back to the very beginning of this passage, the friends of the, of the blind man brought him to Jesus, and, and the word jumps out at me again. And what did they do? They begged, pleaded. They begged to heal their friend. And if you think back a few verses before, there was a woman that brought her daughter, who had an issue with a demon, to Jesus. And go back and read it, and you know what the word is? She begged for Jesus to heal her. And a few verses after that, there's a group of men and women, I don't know, it says friends, that brought a deaf mute to Jesus. And go look up the word they said, that they did. They begged Jesus to heal them. I'm ready to beg Jesus. I'm ready to plead. I'm ready to beg with Jesus to give me clear vision, to give me that second touch, to let me see people and see the world and see this community as Jesus sees them. I'm done, except for this. I guess I am done. <laughs> there it is. I, I, I want you to do something here. I, I don't, I'm not bold enough to, to do this, but if you think you need a second touch, every time it says his, put I in there, or if, if you think as a body we need a second touch, stick that word in there as yourself as we read through this. And I just want to leave us with this. Then Jesus laid his hands on his, my, our, eyes again. And he opened my eyes, our eyes. His sight was restored, and we saw everything clearly. That's where I want to be, folks. We see everything clearly. Let's pray. Jesus, just, we're in such awe of you, Lord, and, and you are God in the flesh. And we thank you for that. And we thank you that you came down to live amongst us. Lord, we just, we just plead, we beg with you right now that we 
we'd be able to see other people through the eyes of Jesus. That if we have blurred vision, that if we see people as walking trees, Lord, take that away from us. Touch us, heal us. That we can see the lost as you see them. That we can see this community as you see it. Continue to ignite in us, Jesus, a, a desire to change lives and change hearts and to make disciples of others. We just thank you for the, the way that you've blessed us now. We thank you for Pastor Derek and his family that you've sent them to us, Lord. And we thank you. I thank you for the spirit in this church that, is, that has just grown so strong, Lord. I thank you for the leadership team and the, the men that serve with me and the, just the, the, the time and the, the, the love that they share with one another, Lord. I, I thank you for this church. I, we're in a great place, Lord. Could please continue to bless us, and we will give you all the honor and praise. In your name we pray. Amen.